Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I don't have an SLP here, but I have someone who I think you are going to love because we're going to be talking all about writing and writing for our reluctant writers and our writers that don't want to write. And although we have to write sometimes in speech and in school. So Megan from the Literacy Dive, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting all things writing and I cannot wait to share with your audience today. So for everyone who might not be familiar with you, since you are not an SLP, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Megan Polk, and I am the content creator behind the Literacy Dive. And I have taught all grades in elementary, kindergarten, second grade, fourth grade, also had some time with intervention work, and then also some dyslexia. So I kind of understand the world of being able to work with students who need those additional services. And I'm just super excited to be able to chat with you all about some writing strategies and ideas. What are some things you've noticed over the years that has been the biggest struggle for students when it comes to writing? What I've seen over the years of uh, what students have obviously struggled with is that they typically don't have the confidence or the motivation, whether it started in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And so by the time you hit third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, they just haven't had positive experiences with writing. And I think, too, sometimes the teachers lack confidence. And so with that lack of confidence, students oftentimes might not get that strong, solid foundation. But unfortunately, the standards continue growing, even if the students haven't grown themselves. And so that's kind of the first layer is just 
the lack of confidence and the lack of um, having the skills to be able to do that grade level content of work when it comes to writing. And we struggle with that as SLPs that we have students that are might be in fourth, fifth, sixth plus grades, and we're expected to help them access the curriculum, but they don't have those fundamental skills. So can you explain a little bit about some of the, I don't want to call it a hierarchy, but the progression of skills that a typical writer would go through? Right. So I think the the main thing that I think uh, a lot of students lack, no matter what grade they're in, is actually going through that writing process. And so just allowing them to understand that there is a process. And with that alone, there is a hierarchy that you have to follow where it starts with just the basic brainstorming and that idea generation. And some students really don't even have an idea of how to think about their ideas and get their ideas out. And so if they don't even know how to pull and generate those ideas, it's very hard for them to get to that publishing stage. But oftentimes, too, they want to take that idea They don't know how to properly draft, how to edit, how to revise it to even make it better for an audience, and then to, of course, get it to that drafting stage. And I think with the writing process, it does take time, you know, and I like to kind of tell students that authors, like the authors of the books that you might like to listen to, because a lot of the time, those students might not like reading because reading and writing are connected, but they do love listening to a book. And so we can make that connection that those authors, it took them months. It took them years to create that book. And so I think starting with that writing process is going to be key and pivotal for being able to make sure that they can be able to follow that process. And so with that as well is just making sure that students understand what is a sentence and what does a paragraph look like? What does it look like to include the beginning, the middle that might have that climax, the ending? What does it look like to have an engaging lead or a really interesting way to close out your writing for that conclusion? And so making sure that all of those little key elements that all work together to make that writing come to life, I think is what's going to be key in order to get them to that stage. I so agree. I think we always look at the end product, but don't think about all the different steps it takes. Our students, if they don't understand what an introduction is, they're not going to have an introduction in their final product. They don't understand what a conclusion is and have good examples of what it should look like. They're going to struggle. Exactly, exactly. And I think too, like if if you know that students have certain texts that they like, or if you can kind of draw from, if they're texts that you like, I think those are going to be the first layers of being able to show what that writing looks like. And so making those connections, I think, are key. And it just kind of warms them up and makes students feel like, okay, if they did that, I can be able to do that too. I love that. By using their topics, their interests, their motivation. And and, I mean, there's so many types of writing. How do you decide what to focus on? So what I found that actually really works well is providing choice. And that is something that I love doing, having variety, having choice, and also time for collaboration. And so I find that that really removes the pressure because sometimes I know as myself, I do love writing, but there are certain days where I feel more creative and I want to write a fantasy or I want to write, you know, a story, a realistic fiction story. And then there's other times where I might be really interested in a topic because of the season and I want to write a nonfiction text or I want to do a science fiction. And so I think being able to draw on student interest and sometimes that's going to come by surveying your students and I often love to give surveys just to see what are you interested in? What types of things excite you and bring you joy? 
Because if you know what your students are interested in, you can easily bring in topics or prompts or different type of writing activities or routines that support those. And that's going to automatically be break down a layer to get that buy-in. So, but I love rotating. There are some genres, of course, that you have to teach and you're responsible for teaching. But in order to combat that formal time, I love being able to embed five to 10 minute chunks of time where it can be open exploration and you can be able to provide them with three different genres. In the main classrooms, a lot of those have writing centers, but I love telling teachers that are in other realms of teaching that you can have a writing center too. And that way it can show, you know, letter writing, it can show poetry, it can show um, writing a recipe. And those can all be things that are talked about and discussed, but also can be worked on and they just look a little bit different. So being able just to find ways to pull in those genres, or if you have a topic, you can provide that same topic by way of different genres. So if you wanted to do something about cookies, let's say you could say, you know, you can write a recipe about your favorite cookie. You can be able to write a time about when you went to get a cookie or the time where you made a cookie with someone. You can write um, the history of cookies. And so now you're being able to keep that same topic, but you're allowing variety and choice on how students can be able to choose, which is going to help them with being able to complete that task. I love it. It's all about that trained space approach, guys. Our students, if they're reluctant, learning is hard for them. We can show them that learning can be fun and they have some power and control in what they get to practice and work on. And I think what's important to know that is in the classroom, activities like these are done over multiple periods, days, weeks. Like we often as SLPs feel like we have to get everything done in a 30-minute time slot. Like guys, this could be a month-long unit that you are working on with your students. Talk about making planning easier. (laughs) Like you could spend a whole month on working on how to create a how-to essay or how to write a persuasive essay. Talk about all the different speech goals that we can be working on at the exact same time. Can you talk a little bit about how some strategies that you have found that worked from getting a student from going from sentence to the paragraph level? Getting them to go from that level is um, honestly, a lot of it is modeling. And I think that so oftentimes teachers kind of breeze over or look over the power of modeling. And so being able to show them, okay, uh, we're going to do this topic. Well, you're going to watch Miss Polk as I write this out. And a lot of that modeling, it's not just physically showing the hand holding the pencil to the paper, but it's also modeling your thinking. And so I love doing think alouds because if I can stop and say, okay, right now, I really want my audience to think about how powerful this time was for me. I think I want to use this type of hook and I want to use an exclamation point. So as long as I can talk it out and then show it, It begins modeling what they can be doing in their heads too. And once they start getting these strategies of thinking aloud and being able to see all of that they could be writing, then that's going to be what's going to move them from that one sentence to two sentences to three sentences. Also being able to use mentor text. I use those often where I can just take a sample of it. And a lot of the time it is just a paragraph. And we look at what a paragraph looks like. I have them tell me, what do you see here? And a lot of the time you want them to get to, if you're at that point of indentions, then you can, you know, that's going to be a key feature. And like, what happened from one paragraph to the next? Maybe the time changed or the day changed. And then also looking within the sentences is just kind of what I love telling them is like, and then what? And then what happened next? So sometimes using that basic prompting is a great way to get them to move from one sentence to the next. 
And I always have them orally tell me before they actually write it, especially if they are reluctant or don't have that skill yet, because I want them to know how easy it is to actually like, you know, your story, but it is harder to get it out onto the paper. So being able to use any of those question prompts or just something as simple as, and then what? Well, what happened next? Well, how did you feel? And so as uh, when you're asking all of those just questions that they can answer, they're now going to add their feelings in there. They're going to start adding more description. They're going to add what that looked like. And they're going to describe what was happening and who was there and what the scene looks like. So doing some of the basic questioning and prompting is going to be what can help move them. Love that. So often in speech, we have many weak writers, readers, very weak decoding skills. Spelling is atrocious. It's a challenge. What suggestions and advice would you give for someone who wants to work on writing, but has students that are really struggling with those fundamental skills? That is really tricky. And while I know that a lot of teachers, like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, we need you to spell it correctly. But when you are dealing with a student who does not want to write or knows that they're not a strong writer, a lot of the time it is that spelling that's lacking. Some of the strategies that I like to do with those students are to kind of think about what you can start learning your students and you're going to know, oh man, Tony always talks about his puppy named Ralph or, oh, Susie, she's really good at ballet. So she's always going to talk about ballet or something that she's doing on stage. And so when you think about some of those words like stage and like Ralph, that obviously we can hear sounds too, but then some of the times that spelling is off, you could easily make them a word wall um, lists that they can always reference. And if you need to, you can add pictures to it so that they can match the picture with that spelling word. I know I've had some students who got really upset when they could not spell something. And so that was something that kind of eased them and allowed them to get through that sentence. But also it's like, if that is your dog named Ralph, you do want to know how to spell Ralph because that's a part of your family. And so that is going to be one way that you can help with spelling. But for the most part, I would say choose like Whenever you're teaching, you typically would choose, you know, one thing to work on. And when it comes to writing, I know that when you get a piece of paper, you can find 18 things wrong, but it's so important not to focus on the 18 to maybe focus on the one. And depending on what's best for that student, if you notice that the spelling is off, but there is another skill that's a lot better, then you honestly can just leave the spelling. And while they're telling you what it means, you can actually write underneath it what that word is. And then whenever it's appropriate to start teaching them spelling patterns or spelling words in particular, that's when you can hold them accountable to it. But once they're ready to do that spelling, making personal word walls are great. Sometimes those big word walls on the wall really aren't that effective. But if it's something that's specific to that child, that has a way better chance of um, getting corrected. Or if you see that there's a certain sight word or a certain high frequency word or a word that they're using a lot and it's incorrect, that can be something that's added as a resource and a reference for them to be able to draw from. Like how many times do our students spell close with like an S or the because yes. with the A? I mean, there's so many words. I'm like, I could think of so many keywords for certain students that I always see them writing wrong. So I love that idea, that personal reference to utilize this way. They can still get their point across and has some sort of visual to guide them. What about, I know you've discussed disguising writing and disguising the goal in mind. Can you describe a little bit more about that? 
Yes. So a lot of the time, if you say, okay, kids, it's time for writing time, you're going to get the groans, the moans, because they've already connected for however many years that they've been in school, that this is not a fun time. They don't know how to do it. They don't like it. And a lot of the time, teachers themselves might not like it either. So it's so important that you can be able to disguise this time for them, which basically means that we're going to be writing and they're not even going to recognize that they are writing. And so a few things that I love doing to disguise writing is actually using anything other than standard writing paper. So kids are often going to see that lined notebook paper and they're going to say, oh, this is writing time. I don't want to do it. So if you can start getting creative and pulling out sticky notes, pulling out index cards, pulling out colored copy paper that might be cut in half or cut in fourths, using construction paper that has a different texture to it, using printable templates that might look really cool, print those on copy paper, whether it's white or colored paper, or even letting them write on their desks. Because with Expo markers, a lot of the time it erases anyway. So if you can bring in some of those materials, your students are automatically going to want to use that Expo marker because it's not a pencil. You could also think about other materials that are only specific to writing time. So maybe it's scented markers or it's colored pencils that actually have erasers on the back. Just anything that's outside of a standard pencil and standard paper is one way that you can disguise it. Because at that point, you can say whatever you want to say. Like, I want you in 30 seconds to write down five words that describe that character or five words that describe your feelings. And they're now going to be working on words in isolation, which could be working on spelling patterns or them being able to develop those words. It's also going to be working on basic sentences. Those different models of paper are not full size. And so the whole idea here is that it doesn't matter. Like, I don't want you to write the whole page, but they're going to start writing a sentence or writing two sentences or writing a web or making a list. And all of this is writing, but they don't really recognize it because it looks different than their standard notebook or their, you know, notebook paper. I love it. I love it. So often when you take out those pencils, for whatever reason, you get the grunts and groans. And I love it. I do the same thing in my speech room. I have a stash of, they love gel pens, scented markers, Mr. Sketch, whatever's, whatever it might be. I don't care what it is. It could smudge all over the place for all I care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, Some other things, too, which I know that um, depending on what subject you are, I know that I talk to a lot of teachers who are like, well, I teach math, you know, but I'm like, well, in math, you can still incorporate writing by having them write out their process or create a problem or by when you read that word problem, turn it into a writing prompt. Say, oh, they just solved a problem about how much, you know, fence they needed to be able to build fence in that backyard. Can you write about a time that you were in your backyard? And so it's just a way of making them think about, oh. Because I'm in math, like I'm not thinking about writing right now and they can actually write then. And so if you can think about different content areas and how to bring in those different topics, then your students can write as little as a word, a phrase or a sentence. It's going to be powerful. And on top of that, they're also working on comprehension and they can also work on speaking and then they can work on writing. And so there's this whole progression to that. And I'm a really big believer of like daily writing opportunities. And so this is one of the ways that you can disguise it is by finding times, little pockets, little minutes that we know we can find somehow where you can just say out of nowhere, I have a question and your kids are automatically going to start getting like, oh, what is it? I want to know how many of you have ever been to so-and-so? Can you tell me about it? 
write down one thing you saw there and they're going to instantly start doing it. So when you can think about any type of way to allow that free writing to come in, that's not going to be graded. It's not formal. They don't have to walk that through the writing process. It's not going to be ripped up and assessed. It's just writing for enjoyment. That is going to change their emotion and pivot them to actually feeling confident and wanting to try different skills. So I would just say finding those quick, you know, one, two or three minute chunks, do a really quick activity like that. And one thing too is like journaling. If you can have like a really just special, nothing super fancy, but you know, you can use cardstock, blank paper, lined paper, let the kids decorate the front and the back. And you can just have them say, I want you to write, I want to do a check-in. How are you feeling today? Write it. What was your favorite part of the day? Write that. And they can write as little or as much as they want. But I love those because they can not only look back at those memories, but they can look back and see the growth and the progression of what their handwriting and writing looked like on day one to day 30. And that's a really powerful move, too. I love this. And we can easily incorporate this into the speech room, especially you guys working with articulation and fluency clients. Using journaling is such a great way. And it's an academic connection. They're practicing writing while while doing so. But also our students, even though they're, they're struggling academically and they can be feeling hard on themselves, it's a way for them to, they confide in us. They feel comfortable in our speech room. So we can easily, by not putting the pressure on the writing and letting them use that for them to tell us how they're feeling, they can still get practice in writing. I love that. Something so yes. simple that like we might not think as an activity that we could also be doing in the speech rooms, but we so can as well. So thank you because we're not trained in doing these things. We don't know how, I hate to say it, we don't know how right. to incorporate writing or what is necessarily expected or how to teach it. So I love these ideas that just writing is writing and the more we can do so, the better. Like I know for me, I wasn't in tune to the natural writing process until my daughter was in kindergarten. Oh, and, wow. and it was so interesting when I went for her parent-teacher conference. Luckily, this was pre-COVID and it was like the last, like that was the COVID year. So it was like the last conferences in person. But I'll never forget this. This teacher showing me her drawings. Every Monday, they would draw what they did over the weekend. And they showed me the drawings from September to the drawings from November or whatever the meetings were. And they're like, look, how much more detail is in the drawing? And I'm like, Okay. They're like, no, this is writing. I'm like, ah, oh. yes. I'm like, oh, okay. This makes sense. And like, it just was like that aha light bulb moment that like anything getting something on paper. Yes. And how can we elaborate on that? Absolutely. So I love it. I love being able to hear different ways to incorporate their interests, their strengths, hiding it from them and making it exciting and interesting. I love it. I know. And I think for adults as well, you know, like I said, there's several teachers who are like, I just don't genuinely like writing myself. And so I tell them a great practice also that helps students to want to do that task is you doing it alongside them. So I know that sometimes it's not always possible for, you know, me even to get on the floor and write the whole time because I do have to have a conference. I have to confer and pull kids and do small groups. But there is so much power when they can see that you have a piece of paper, you're actually writing too and you're doing that same task with them, they then want to do it. You can sit on the floor and it's actually really enjoyable. And so for those who are actually like, oh, the writing's really not my thing, I would encourage you to write alongside your students, do the practice with them. And even if it's not daily, try to set a goal for one time a week where you spontaneously write with them and allow for sheer time. That is the biggest thing is that I've not really met many kids who don't want to share. I feel like a lot of kids want to talk whether it's a lot or not, but 
a lot of kids do want to share or when they start seeing other kids share, it's like, okay, I might want to do that. And so if you can incorporate share time, well, in order to share, you actually have to write something or produce something. And so that has been something that a lot of my students who did not want to write, they started producing something because they wanted to share. And there are so many different types of ways that you can incorporate that share time. But just being able to celebrate that student writing during that really quick 30 seconds to a minute time is very, very, very powerful. I love it. It's so amazing. It's just such great ideas. Thank you so, so much. Do you have any last bit of tips or advice for someone who is hesitant or nervous to incorporate writing into their Yes, um, definitely just start small. Like I've shared several, you know, ideas and there's several ideas out there in the world, but don't feel like you have to do all of it at one time. Maybe think about one thing that you heard that's like, oh, that's, that would be really, really cool. And try that one thing and then celebrate yourself for taking that one step. Once you start doing that, you can then try to add something else in. But I would just say, you know, your students are going to, feed off of your energy. And so if you're excited about writing, if you're bringing in a special time, maybe you play music or have a special chime that transitions to it and they know that it's time to do that special routine, they're going to get excited if you're excited. So just keep your energy up and just try to find the joy in it and your students are going to find that joy too. Thank you so, so much, Megan. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer? Sure. So I'm very active on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. So if you are wanting to learn more or have specific questions, feel free to send me a DM there or use that little email button and you can send me an email. Those are two great ways to get into contact. I also have a TPT store that's The Literacy Dive. All of my social channels are The Literacy Dive as well. Thank you so, so much, Megan. This is amazing. I know everyone listening is feeling so inspired since we are not very familiar with the writing process or anything like that. I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes are full of language and fun, vocabulary and all the fun stuff. So what reads and lives in apples? Oh, my goodness. I'm 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 trying to think. It doesn't really live in an apple, but I'm like, a worm? <laughs> that, you know, that's not it. A, bu- a bookworm. Oh, <laughs> It is cheesy, but I was trying to find something writing related. I was... It's close. It's oh close. my gosh. I love that you do that. I don't do anything fun like this on, on my podcast, but I love that you end your podcast this way. <laughs> and tell everyone the name of your podcast. Yes, I have a podcast. So if you are looking for writing tips or anything like that, reading tips, it is the Literacy Dive podcast. And so there's episodes every Monday and all the episodes are labeled. So you can find some support there as well. Thank you so, so much, Megan. Go check her out. Go listen to her podcast. Go check her out on Instagram. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.